On episode 3 of Split Decision, we'll be recapping UFC Vegas 76, diving into UFC 290, and taking a look at Brian Ortega's recent fumbles. Alright, so let's take a look back at UFC Vegas 76 from this past weekend. Main event, Sean Strickland, Abbas Magomedov. Sean Strickland, second round TKO, got the finish. First finish in a little while. He lost the first round. He came back in the second round, dominated. He looked dominant. This was a nice finish for Strickland, a nice fight for him. This is probably his best fight in a little while. Good look for him. Yeah, I agree. Um, he got the eye poke in the first round. It really, really ticked him off. Really thought from there he wanted to press forward. By the end of the first round, Magomedov, he seemed kind of gassed. I don't know if he wasn't up for the challenge, but being gassed in the first round is kind of no excuse. He threw a lot, but he didn't throw that much. Yeah, I think it's a little bit. He, he kind of blew his load a little early. He... A lot of excitement to start the fight. This is a big fight for him. Uh, yeah, threw a lot. Probably had a little bit of an adrenaline dump, and then yeah, got that ice there. on his back and kind of cooled down in the beginning of the second round. And and well, you gotta you gotta remember too. He started and then stopped for a while for that eye poke, and then had to restart again. So I mean, that has to play something into it. Uh, but just all around a nice victory for Strickland. I think we both had him uh, as our picks for the week. So I think we both got that one right. I actually had Strickland as one of my bets for the week, my first bet of the week, uh, Strickland money line. So I got that one right. So it's nice to uh, start start the bets and the picks off uh, with a dub. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, just to remind everybody, with the betting and the picks. So with the picks, we're going to be picking at least the main card every week and just updating everybody at the end of the show on kind of the standings. Um, and for bets, we're going to be doing, depending on the card, a minimum of three bets per week. If there's no fights on that week, we'll figure something out. Um, luckily, I think for like the next two and a half months, we have fights every single weekend, so we don't even have to worry about that right now. Um, but yeah, congrats on winning your first bet of the night. Thank you, thank you. We had Demir Ismagalov versus Grant KGD Dawson. This was probably one of my favorite Dawson performances of his career. Him being a slight underdog here, he really just dominated the entire fight. He, I think he started off two out of three for takedowns in the first round. Once he secured it, he controlled for the rest of the round. And then from the rest of the fight, he just he took him down and just and got control. He timed it perfectly. Uh, this was my first bet of the night, so... I got my first win. I'm happy about it. What do you have? I This was actually, I had money on this as well. So this was my second bet of the night. I had Grant Dawson money line. So it was nice to see him come out and get that. Um, but yeah, he came in and dominated. Pretty much dominated all three rounds. And I believe the, part of my French, but I believe the term is wrestle fuck. And that's kind of what happened tonight. Yeah, but this isn't one of those where it was an uninteresting one. One of the things I'd like to point out is that body triangle. Now, maybe it's because I'm I'm halfway paying attention most times when they're wrestling, but today specifically, I saw that body triangle switching 
every single time as Magalov rolled his hips, the body triangle would switch legs, which just gave which just gave Dawson more control overall. Yeah, and you we talked about earlier off uh off camera, Dawson in the spider IQ. Oh yeah, that, his, just, that just goes to show that his entire TikTok is is based on how he plans on winning with his fighter IQ. That that to me is you know how you have a long career. Exactly. So a nice win by Grant Dawson. Really just came out and dominated. Max Payne Griffin versus Michael Morales, I think was almost destined to be the exact fight it was. Right, I. I personally thought this was going to finish as a Michael Morales TKO, which in the second round it almost did. It was close. Griffin was got heavily rocked. It, it, and look, no, nothing to say against Griffin at all. His chin is just holding up over time. So, so props to him. But the moral of the story, the heavy favorite, well, I say heavy favorite, minus 250 favorite Michael Morales did win unanimous decision, which I agree with. Yeah, he looked good out there. He uh, close first round. Arguably, uh, Griffin won the first round, but Morales he got stronger as the fight went on. Like you said, he almost knocked him out in the second round. Uh, Griffin was very wobbled, and then third round he just continued to lay it on, uh, lay it on Griffin. Got a late takedown, takedown even. Uh, I had it three rounds or two rounds to one. Uh, Michael Morales. 29-28. The judges also had unanimous decisions for Michael Morales. Good. Yeah, I, I had him as unanimous as well, Morales, which, you know, not, not to not to scoff at this at all. That moves him to an impressive 15-0. and 0. All right, so the next fight, Melissa Gatto, Ariana Lipsky, the only uh, women's fight uh, that we covered tonight. Uh, this was a close fight. It was back and forth. Uh, Pretty much the whole fight. Uh, I had this two rounds to one Melissa Gatto. The judges did not agree. It was a split decision win for Ariana Lipsky. Yeah, I'll just say whatever we say, I guess, really doesn't matter. It's all opinions. But I typically like our opinions. Yeah, I'm usually right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so far... You know, we're we're batting a pretty good average. But I I really thought here Gatto was gonna, you know, come back off her last decision loss. I thought she was gonna, you know, rise and, and actually beat Lipsky here. Um I, I didn't expect Lipsky to win, but I'm not surprised by it, to be honest. Yeah, and I think I think it came down to some takedowns. Um but yeah, a nice win from Lipsky. Uh I think we both Picked Gatto pre-fight, so I think that's an L for us on that one. Right, it is. I uh, I picked Gatto, and look, just to point out, one of the things with the judges tonight is significant strikes isn't what won the fight. You know, Gatto had more significant strikes, but Lipsky had more damage. We see judges; they don't see the stats, so they don't have the same stats as us. Right. Yeah, it's in- so they really have to go by damage. So that's important to note. While, while t- you know, taking the, those little punches and and hitting while you can, you know, making contact is important. Picking your shots are the most important. 
Agreed. And and uh, to go back to your last point, a lot of times the judges make mistakes and people call them out. Tonight, they were honestly pretty fair. You can't really have any complaints about the judges tonight. So, Ishmael Moretta Bonfim versus Benoit, God of War, St. Denis. I'm halfway upset with this one. I had Ishmael winning, but with the way Benoit went out and just started fighting, it almost flipped me to a fan immediately. It's hard to root against a guy in a fight like that, right? Yeah, it was great. That's why he was my pick uh, for the week. Is my upset pick. It was actually one of my bets, too, so I went to 3-0 and because of this. Oh, uh, nice. He came in. Kicked him in the body about 10 times. Uh, definitely hurt Bonfim. Uh, Got an early takedown. On the ground was way better. And then he slowly just worked his way. Got a submission. Got the choke. I mean, it was... Honestly, you wouldn't... Know, if you didn't know the odds coming in, you would have thought uh, St. Denis was a heavy favorite. He came in and he kind of just dominated the fight. It only lasted two and a half, three minutes. Uh, for as long as it lasted, St. Denis was the dominant guy. Right, yeah. That that was the biggest upset win of the night as well, as far as odds are concerned. I think I had it at plus 255. Would you have it as? Yeah, I won it at plus 260. Nice. Yeah, so biggest upset of the night, and that was on the main card. So that just kind of goes to show you that anybody can win on any given night. All right, now for the... First main card fight, we have Bruno the Hulk Ferreira versus Nursultan Black Ruzaboev. Now, this fight's kind of weird. What do you think about it? So, both these guys coming in, uh, their last few fights have all been first-round finishes. Uh, Hulk, he came in, I think this is his second UFC fight. For Black, this was his first UFC fight. Something like 47 fights before this pro fight. It's crazy. And he's 29. 29. He uh, comes in. This dude is 6'4", 6'5", compared to the Hulk, which, who is 5'10". So it was a huge, huge reach advantage. It's like a David versus Goliath type situation in the ring today. Damn near. Even the commentators said uh, these are two opposite body types. Short, compact, long, lanky. And in this fight, long, lanky came out. Pieced him up. He had a big right hand. Uh, made made Bruno. He almost slammed on the ground. It looked like he hit his head on the back of the ground. And then a couple shots on the ground. Uh, an impressive, impressive first round knockout from Black. Uh, 1-0 in the UFC. That's a guy, I don't know, if in, at that height and that reach, I don't know anybody that is going to be uh, dying to fight him. Right, and while everybody loves a knockout, one of my favorite things from this fight was he was actually my heavy, quote, quote, heavy underdog pick of the week. So I actually had Ruzaboa by money line. So moves me up to two out of three for the week. Nice. I think, I didn't have a bet on this fight, but I think I picked Hulk. Uh, but it's one of those ones with the way the knockout went, I'm all right with losing it. So listen, Originally, when we were previewing this card, one of the biggest names to catch our eyes was Kevin Lee, and we thought this was this was possibly the chance for him to you know make his big resurgence comeback. He's still only like thirty years old. 
Right. Look, underdog odds, plus 172 coming in. Kevin Lee fought Renat the Gladiator Fakradinov. I mean, a hell of a fight to come back to the UFC because Renat, he's a fucking killer. No, he, he absolutely is. And, and what Kevin Lee was trying to come back from was fighting a 40-year-old Diego Sanchez who he had to take the decision. Now, that's not to say anything about the ability that Kevin Lee has or anything like that. A lot of times, Kevin Lee's problem was just his, his, his gas, his lungs, right? What happened in this fight? Well, he didn't have to worry about his lungs in this fight. Uh, from the start, Kevin Lee looked like he didn't... Be- I don't want to be mean, but he looked like he didn't belong back in the UFC. Renat came in, he dominated him. Co- Kevin Lee looked overwhelmed. I like to say, he got hit so hard on the knockdown... It looked like he got knocked out and woke back up when he hit the ground. So he almost got knocked down and submissioned in the same fight. Uh, tough, tough fight for, for Kevin Lee. On the other hand, the gladiator, he looked amazing. Yeah, look, I don't know. I'm not the one to say it ever. But maybe this is the time to just hang it up for Kevin Lee. You're still you know, young. You can do other things. You can do great things. I don't know. I'd love to see you fight again. I, I see your potential, you know, being tremendous, but maybe it's just not the right career. All right, now let's move on to UFC 290 this week, Las Vegas, Nevada, International Fight Week. This is usually the card that uh, Dana and the UFC, that they stack. They make one of the best cards of the year. And honestly, looking at this card, I think they delivered. This is a great card. I absolutely agree. Um, you know, all all nine fights, well, except for a little news we got this morning with Bo Nickel having to be rescheduled again. But not rescheduled, new opponent. A new opponent, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, the whole card looks to be shaping up to be very interesting. Um, this will be the third fight week in a row, coming off of two fight nights. Very exciting. We just finished talking about the um, UFC Vegas 76 recap. So let's just jump right into UFC 290. Yeah, so I think today uh, we're going to cover the prelims and the main card. So not the early prelims. So the first fight we're going to cover is going to be Jimmy the Brute Crute rematching Alonzo Atomic Minifield. These two fought in February of this year. A crazy fight back and forth. It ended up a draw. Um, a lot of the reason is because Minifield got deducted a point in the last round. Um, so these, you like to see these guys go from a draw and just say, hey, let's run this back. Both of them, and they both rightfully so, feel like they could have won the fight the first time. So I'm very, very excited for this fight. Yeah, they, they definitely look to decide who's better here. Um, like you said, they fought before. I think Minifield had the advantage. Uh, he almost knocked uh, Kroot out twice. Yeah, he came very, very close. The the bell's the only thing that saved him um, on, on the second one. But kind of flipping it on the other side... The fence is the only thing that saved Menafield against Crute taking him down. So I'm 
like you, very excited to see what happens in this fight. Another interesting thing to point out here, though, we both have minus odds for these people. Uh, minus 118, minus 108. That means the UFC and Vegas don't really know what's going to happen here. Yeah, I mean, how close the first fight was, it's hard to predict. I do have some crazy, uh, some in not crazy, interesting stats. Jimmy, this is his eighth, uh, this will be his ninth UFC fight, so he's fought eight times in the UFC. Seven of those eight ones have uh, not gone to the scorecard. Right, so he's either won or lost by nothing, by other than decision, is what you're saying. Exactly. He has four wins, three losses, all by finish. So his fights are exciting, and they, they get down to action. And he hasn't had a win since 2020, so three fights in a row, including the draw. Before that, he had two losses. So he's going to be – like, this is a win Jimmy needs. Yeah. Who do you have winning the fight? I think Alonzo Minifield's going to win this one. Um, I think, you know, if all stays the same from the first encounter, look, it wasn't that long ago. There's more tape you can watch. But I really think it's – it's they knew how the other was going into that fight, how the other was going to be attacking early on this year. I don't think anyone's really changing up their game field game plan. I think Jimmy is going to keep trying to submit him, wrestle him, get him on the ground, take control, and I think Minifield's going to keep trying to knock him out. Yeah, I got Minifield winning the fight. Um, he came very close to knocking Jimmy out the first time. Uh, I think if he connects a couple more times in this fight, he'll get the knockout. So I'm going Alonzo Minifield for my pick. All right, moving on to Yasmin Yaregi. Versus Denise Gomez. This is a woman's fight. Straw weight, 115 pounds. Honestly, Yasmin is considered one of the top prospects in Mexico. Uh, she's young. She's only 24 years old. She's perfect in her career. Seven KOs, three decisions. So, if I can say one thing about this whole fight is I don't think she's going to be trying to submit anybody. Based on that? Probably not. Um, but I will say we can't underestimate Gomez. Uh, they, they both show strong power. You know, while Yasmin has seven KOs, Gomez has five KOs. Including uh, TKO in her last fight. Correct. So with that, even though I'm picking Yasmin um, as my one of my picks, I, I don't necessarily feel, you know, that 100% confidence like I usually do going in. Yeah, so it's both of, the, both of their third fights in the UFC, too. So... Yasmin is a two and zero. Denise is one and one. One interesting fact I saw: uh, Yasmin, so she was in a uh, Mexican promotion uh, before the UFC, and she had three fights in one night. Won all three of them, two by finish. Isn't to that win, crazy? I think it was something like Woman of the Night or something. It was something crazy like that. But that's just so impressive. Twenty-four years old. Denise is only twenty-three. Um, Yasmin is the huge favorite, minus 400 I have her as. Um, yeah, I actually show her as minus 460. Yeah, so it, it might be getting bigger as the moments go on. Yeah, typically when people put put more money on a line, it tends to increase in that favoritism. Um, so maybe Denise is just you know poised for a big upset here. Maybe, but I don't think so. I got uh, Yasmin, how do you say her name, Uregi? Uregi. I got Uregi winning the fight. Uh, those odds are there for a reason yeah one one of the things 
we know is that Vegas knows. But do they know that we know that they know? I guess we'll find out. I think we'll find out. All right, so let's move on to the next fight. Uh, this fight features maybe the most exciting guy on the card versus maybe the worst nickname on the card. And why do you say, say that? So it's Jack Della Madalena. That's not his uh, nickname. That's just his name. That's just his name, and he may be the most exciting fighter on this card. Okay. He is fighting a late replacement, so you got to give him props for that. Uh, Josiah Harrell, nickname Muscle Hamster. Maybe the worst nickname I've seen. Uh, Mus- Muscle Hamster does come in 7-0, and but he does come in a huge underdog. I have the odds, uh, when I looked, minus 950 for uh, Jack, plus 600 for the Muscle Hamster. Um, Della Madalena, I mean, he gets finishes all the time. Uh, all four of his UFC uh, wins are first-round finishes, so that's crazy. He has 14 straight wins. Uh, I just think he comes in, he puts on a show. He's going to do something crazy where he knocks this dude out or something crazy. Right. What? Well, while I also have Jack Della Madalena picked. It's a tough one to say. Right. It's, it's almost a tongue twister in itself. Jack Della Madalena. While I do have him picked, my odds are wildly different than yours. I must have looked at it a little bit more early. Or I guess earlier I looked at it. I have minus 1,600 for Jack and plus 800 for the muscle hamster. They must think his muscles are kind of small. But anyway. Huge step up in competition for him. I will say, yeah, if if you're going from a different division or a different his league. His first UFC fight, by the way. Right. You're going from a different league to the UFC. There are definitely le- levels to it. Outside of this fight, though, w- one thing I do want to interject. Uh, Josiah did replace a Sean Brady who had elbow bursitis. You know, basically staph infection on his elbow. Uh, pretty bad, but the only reason I'm bringing it up is because uh, Jack said something kind of funny about it when he had to withdraw. Because it was a septic, you know, staph infection, Jack only said, oh, he withdrew because he shit the bed, which to me was just kind of funny. Um, that kind of confidence moving forward, I really think Jack is going to win this fight. I have him as my pick. It's a heavy favorite. There's no point putting money on it in my eyes. Yeah, I have him winning the fight too. I also I think he wins the first round uh, KO. Yeah. Speaking of first round KO, Madalena's got four first round finishes, four yeah. and zero in the UFC, and they're all four round. All first, first round, round. Finishes, right? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Last one rear naked choke, three before that TKOs. He's one thing that's crazy I saw about him. He started his career zero and two, and he's won fourteen straight since then. So I don't know what happened. I don't know who he fought in those first two fights, but that's crazy. It's kind of like those pictures you see. You know, a fighter gets a haircut, and then he doesn't get beat for like 10 years. Yeah, just a different guy. Yeah, it's like, all right, cool. And now moving on to the featured prelim of the night, Robbie Ruthless Lawler. I know everybody's heard that name a few times before. And Nico the Hybrid Price. This, I think we differ on opinion here. I'm very interested in this fight. I know Robbie's had a long career. Nico's, you know, he's still had a decently long career, just not 45 fights worth worth of length. Um, you know, Robbie Lawler comes in at plus 220. Nico comes in minus 225. We do know that Lawler's retiring at the end of this fight. Last um, fight. 
So that you know, that's it's very good for him. Long career. Forty six is a is a hell a of a number. Yeah. A legend. Definitely gonna be in the Hall of Fame if he isn't already. Um but I, I really just just to say I didn't think Lawler was gonna fight again after his last fight, you know? But you know, looking back at his last fight, he lost by TKO late in the second round. But man, he those first two rounds, he looked good on the feet. He looked like he still had the boxing in him. It was just he's a little bit older. Both of these guys come in really struggling recently. Uh, Robbie Lawler's lost five out of his last six. His only win is against Nick Diaz, who came back from however long of a, a hiatus, if hiatus. you want to call it that. Not the most impressive win. Nico Price only has one win in his last five fights, so he's also struggling. Uh, both these guys need the dub. If you watch both of their last fights, they both lost by TKO, but they both still fought. They both stood in there. They took chances. They had big shots. They just couldn't last. They were, all, they were facing killers each. Um, I actually have Robbie Lawler winning this fight. And he's actually my first bet. I have him at plus 220. I think uh, this is a perfect fight for him. It's going to be an exciting fight. It's going to be a great way to end your career. A great career. He's going to come in. I think he's going to get the knockout. I have Robbie Lawler winning the fight. That's good. You know, and, and I didn't think about that until this very moment. You know, even though I am taking Nico Price, I don't have any bets on it. But this is going to be my last opportunity to make any money on Robbie Lawler. A legend. A legend. All right, so let's move on to the main card of the evening. First fight on the main card, Bo Nickel versus another late replacement. This is the second fight to have somebody uh, drop out late. Uh, he was supposed to face Treshawn Gore. Huge favorite in that fight. I think he would have easily won. Instead, he's facing a UFC, uh, a guy making his UFC debut, Val Woodburn, the animal. Comes in 7-0, 5 KOs, 2 decisions, but he has not faced any kind of competition like this. Uh, I think we're both big fans of Bo Nickel, the little bit we've seen of him. I mean, he's an elite wrestler. I don't know if anybody in the UFC can wrestle with him. Uh, I think he's going to come out, come out. I think he's going to dominate. First round finish, I think Bo Nickel either strangles this dude, TKOs him, He's going to get a hold of him and then not let go. I I actually 1,000% agree. Originally, I had this fight um, as my first bet of the night. I was going to take Bo Nichols' submission against uh, Treshawn Gore. He was already the favorite, minus 1,600 on my paper, uh, plus 750 to Gore. Gore's only losses were in the UFC. Kind of going back to that thing when we were talking about how there's levels to the to the league. Um, you know, with Val Wood, Woodburn, this doesn't change anything. This will be his UFC debut. He was fighting in what what other league before? Some regional southern league. He was right, it was out of Florida, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, good for him taking the fight. You know, this this will get his name out there 100%. Yeah, props to him because that is, that is a good career move. But I am actually going to continue and lock in my first bet of the night at still a Bo Nickel submission. They didn't release the odds yet, so I don't have them. But the second they release them, I'm placing it. Because if you, the sooner you place, the better the odds. Moving on to our next fight, we have Jalen the Tarantula Turner fighting 
Dan the Hangman Hooker. This... Two lanky-ass motherfuckers. Right, dude. These tall-ass dudes here... So, 155. Lightweight fight. Last time, Hooker was out. I mean, not last time. It's almost every time Hooker fights, he fights a legend in his own right. You know, some of his only losses were to Poirier. Who else? Uh, Islam. He lost to Arnold Allen uh, in two fights ago. Uh, lost to Michael Chandler. So he is a classic case of there's levels to this where he'll beat a lot of guys, but as I love Dan Hooker, but when he faces the elite of the elite, he seems to fall short every time, just a little bit. Yeah. He uh, Hooker did win his last fight by TKO. He did win his last fight, but he's lost four out of his last six. Right. And now, like I just said, he did lose most of those to big names, but it, it does go to show, you know, is this where he's like on the on the cusp of greatness, or is he fading? And his last three losses are all by finish as well. So he, he's been getting finished. Right. Jalen comes in, uh, his, the only time he goes to the card, he loses. So he's only had, he's 13 and 6, he's only had three fights go to the scorecard, scorecard. he's lost all three. Right, uh, he's been knocked out three times as well. He's 6 and 3 in the UFC. He, he does win by submission and knockout though. Uh, so his last four fights have all been by uh, finish, three of them submission. So he can go out there, get finishes. Um, Jalen does come in a minus 250 favorite, I have him as. Hooker at plus 210. I'm taking Jalen Turner in the fight. I think uh, I think he's just going to beat Dan Hooker, honestly. Uh, I think it's two tough guys, two lanky guys, two good strikers. I think Jalen just gets it done. Okay. Look, and, and while I appreciate where you're coming from, I actually just started realizing that this is... Now, it's only the third week in Season 3, but this is going to be the week where we kind of start separating. We've had a few differences in picks already, and I'm actually taking as my pick and my second bet of the night. I was able to lock in Dan Hooker at plus 186, money line, and... Obviously him for the pick if I'm willing to put money on it. All right, so let's move on to the next fight. Robert the Reaper Whitaker, also a.k.a. Bobby Knuckles, taking on Dracus Duplessis, still knocks. This, I think, is the fight I'm most excited for on this card. I really, really enjoy watching both of these two guys fight. Uh, Whitaker comes in 24-6. and six. He's won 13 out of his last 15 fights. His only two losses are against Israel Adesanya. Right. I was actually going to say the same thing. Uh, His only two losses at 185 total, though. Israel Adesanya. Correct. So he's he's an elite fighter. And he's taking on Drakus, who comes in 19-2, 5-0 in the UFC. Uh, He wins like... Uh, Brunson, Till, and Tavares. He has some impressive wins. He's slowly been upgrading his opponents, getting better and better opponents, and he's been looking good. Uh, supposedly, he had a deviated septum fix so he can uh, breathe better. And with which was that, his, probably his biggest, uh, you would say his biggest flaw in, in the fights you watch is that he gets tired. So yeah. That supposedly is supposed to help that. Um, 
But this is a giant step up in competition. It is. I'll say it. it w- walking up to try to fight somebody like Robert Whitaker, it, you know, is no small task. One thing I'll say, even though Drykus is nineteen and two, he's still got plus two eighty five odds, giving Whitaker the minus four hundred favorite. For somebody who you know, it's not like this is Drykus's first fight in the UFC. For for Whitaker to get those kind of odds, well, I mean Whitaker is. If it wasn't for Israel Adesanya, Whitaker would be regarded as one of the greatest fighters of all time. Correct. Because he's been that dominant against everybody else. So I'm very interested to see what happens on this fight. They're neither one are old. I think Whitaker is what thirty two. Whitaker thirty two. Drakus is only twenty nine. Yeah. So he's just coming into those prime years. One of the things to look at for this, I think, whoever you know, regardless of the winner of this fight, you think the winner gets a title shot. If it's Duplessis, 100%. If it's Whitaker, I don't know if Adesanya wants to fight him a third time, but he might be forced to. Uh, but I think it's the two best guys right now besides Israel Adesanya in the division. Who do you have winning the fight? I actually took uh, Drykus winning the fight. The reason being, or one of the reasons being, um, is that he did get the deviated septum fixed, so he should be able to take in more oxygen. So, you know, one of our complaints, like we said, through the times that uh, seeing him fight was that he would get gassed. At this point, if he can breathe better, he may not get gassed. My wife had her deviated septum fixed, and she, ever since that happened, she's slept better, you know, feels better. I couldn't imagine what it does for, like, an athlete. That's all well and good, but I think there's levels to this, and we're about to find we're about to see that again on Saturday. I think Whitaker beats him like he beats he's beating everybody else but Israel Adesanya at 185. I think Whitaker actually knocks him out. I'm actually my Whitaker's my pick. My second bet of the night is the under for the fight, under two and a half rounds at minus 135, and I have Whitaker winning the fight. Ooh, and while I while I don't like to have bets on the same fights as you. This is actually my third bet of the night. I took Dreykus Duplessis money line plus two eighty five. Now on to the co main event of the night. We have first long... title fight. First title fight. First title fight for the podcast too. So that's a big deal, right? We got to remember this. Let's uh, we'll hit a little soundboard. <laughs> That'll be a trivia question one day. One day. So listen, we have a long-awaited rematch. This is going to be Brandon, the assassin baby Moreno, and Alexander, the cannibal Pantoja, three. This will be the third time they fight um, total. Uh, Flyweight, 125 pounds. And the crazy thing is the challenger, Pantoja, won both of the first fights against, first two fights uh, against Moreno. Right, in 2018 and 2016. The champ. Uh, the first one in 2016 was an exhibition. It was on the Ultimate Fighter. But that fight specifically he was when he out. got choked. Correct. Yeah. So in 2018, it was decision. Decision, but it was still a, it was a good decision. Right. So since then, I think what really has happened is Marino has found really his flight in the UFC. You know, he's, he's the champ. He lost the title, won it back. You know, he's he's overcome adversity. Not to say that Pantoja hasn't done anything. He's twenty five and five. 
You know, he's got eight KO wins, ten submissions, seven decisions. He's never gotten finished. He's never gotten finished. But there's probably a reason here that Marino's minus 200. Well, Marino's just been so good lately. One thing to look out, this is Marino out of his last five fights. Four of those fights, four out of his last five fights have all been against Davis and Figueredo. Yeah. He that... won two of those, drew one, lost one. But so it's just something, he is fighting somebody different. Um, he's never been finished either, so neither guy has ever been finished. Right, with, with Moreno being 21-6, and six, he has 11 submissions, 5 KOs. But just to say, say something about that, they're very similar fighters in their style. They can both knock each other out. They can both they can submit both each other. Submit each other. And listen, they both only lose by decision. And I don't think we're getting a draw here. Who do you have winning the fight? I think Brandon Marino is going to win the fight. I don't feel comfortable putting any money on it just because Pantoja's won twice against him. Yeah. And it's a title fight. I like to stay clear of title fights because these are the times where the contender, in this case Pantoja, uh, or in the main event's case Rodriguez, this is where a, a guy needs to be able to and be willing to fight for his life. You know, in the last second, still be willing to put it all out there, throw his hands, do whatever it takes. And on that one, that's when the, the odds really just kind of kind of get funky for me in my head. Yeah, the title fights are definitely a, a different beast than a regular fight. Uh, it kind of shows uh, who's real and who's not a lot of the times. And don't, don't forget, when you're looking at an over on a title fight, you're not looking at over one and a half. You're looking at over two and a half rounds, which... So, Speaking to that, I actually have the over in this fight. Okay. I, is, this is my uh, my last bet of the night. I have the over three and a half rounds at minus 170. I think Moreno wins this fight. I think he shows how much he's improved. Pantoja's also improved since the last time they fought, but Moreno has taken giant leaps forward, much like uh, Charles Oliveira, where they had a bunch of losses, not a bunch, they had a few losses early in their career and just built off of that and then now become something totally different. So I think Moreno goes out there. I think he gets it done by unanimous decision. He's just going to beat him up the whole fight. So that's your third bet of the night is Moreno over? Or just uh, the over Just total? over three and a half rounds. Okay. Minus 170. Okay. So listen, th that's great. I, I actually completely agree with you. They have, I think, 12 total uh, decision victories between the two of them. Um, you know, and we don't even need that from here. We only need you know, over half the fight. And so. they also both have 11 total decision losses. That's true. So I think this is definitely looking like a decision fight to me. And now moving on to the final title fight of the night, the main event, Alex the Great, or Alexander the Great, Volkanovsky. Great nickname. Right. 145 pounds, flyweight. He's going to be fighting Yair, El Pantera Rodriguez. Both guys coming into this fight. Heavy win-to-loss ratio. 25-2 to two for Alex. 12 KOs, 3 submissions, 10 decisions. 15-3 and three for Yair. 5 KOs, 4 submissions, 6 decisions. Kind of proving either one can get it done either way when they need to. Shows you kind of how the other is leaning. Yair's kind of an even spread, but he hasn't had as many fights. Uh, Alex has 12 KOs, 10 decisions, so you, you can kind of tell he's not trying to win it on the ground every time. Circa, but he can. Circa Brian Ortega not being able to choke him out. I will say up front, though, 
I may be one of the biggest Brian Ortega haters ever. So moving on from that. Um, Volk only has two losses. One of them is against Islam. He only has one loss in the UFC, though. Right. I was getting to that. 12-0 at 145. He has not lost at 145 in the UFC. His only loss, as you just said, was when he moved up to fight Islam Makachev for the 155 belt. Uh, when he, he does have a lot of decisions. I know you said the 10 decisions. But he's the kind of guy, when he does get decisions... It's a it's, dominant It's decision. a dominant, and it's an obvious, like... I love Max Holloway. He's probably my favorite, favorite, second favorite fighter. He dominated him the last couple of times they fought. And it was obvious going to the... They both went to the cards, and it was obvious Volk won. Uh, but saying that, Yair, he's a guy... He's an exciting fighter to watch. Uh, he gets crazy KOs. He gets crazy submissions. Uh, this is his big chance. This is the chance for Yair to really make a name for himself, become another Mexican uh, champion in the UFC. Uh, I really like Yair Rodriguez, but I think Volk gets it done in this fight. He's minus 390. Um, I think Volk, honestly, I have him as the number one pound-for-pound pound guy in the UFC. I personally think he won the fight against Islam. I had the scorecards in his favor. Uh, I think he's maybe the best fighter in the UFC right now. I think he goes out there. I think he gets it done. I think it's going to be a great fight. Like I said, I really like Yair, but I think Volk is just on a whole nother level than anybody else, including Max Holloway, who's one of my favorite fighters. Right, I agree there. At With Volk coming off the loss... To Islam, like you said, you had him on the cards being favorited. Talking about decisions, that's his only decision, right? Loss? Only decision loss. Correct. Right. He's so, only had two losses, so I mean. Right, yeah, the other it was not in the UFC. But with that, his 10 decision wins, last fight, like we mentioned, Brian Ortega. He had him in a deep choke. And one of the things you have to think about with Volk is that he, he kept... He kept cool under that pressure of a deep, deep choke. And he was able to just think his way out of it. It's another guy you'll say of the difference uh, from the haircut. Yeah, once he went bald, this dude went on a whole nother level. Right. He he increased. He his... went from maybe the best guy at 145 when he had hair. Then he became like, maybe he is one of the best fighters ever. Correct. He doesn't look like he's slowing down. But in, in credit to y Yair... His loss to Max Holloway, it, it's nothing bad to say about it. You know, it was honestly a good performance. It was just Max is that good. Correct. And Volk is that much better than Max. And th that's one of the biggest problems with, the, with both weight classes, 145 pounds, 155 pounds, is it seems like there's a gatekeeper every time a well, new can... fighter walks in. There's, there's seven levels of gatekeepers. Just I mean, to get to the top ten. You could go back to one of the fights we talked about earlier, Robert Whitaker. That's exactly. what he is at 185. Right. He, he, he's lost to the champ a couple times, but nobody else can beat him. This is the same thing, I think, uh, with Max Holloway, because Volk is that good. So I think uh, outside of some crazy upset knockout or some crazy upset submission, I think Volk retains his title. I think he keeps the belt here. What do you think? I agree. I have Volk winning. Um... Probably by decision, but I think it's, again, like we said, a, a decision where we all know who won the fight. All right, since we just uh, previewed UFC 290 and made some new picks, 
let's go back and take a, a, a look and a uh, update at our picks and bets from this past week in overall. How'd you do this week, Alex? So I went uh, five wins, two losses on picks, and I did uh, two out of three wins on bets. So it was overall pretty good. 67% on bets, and I think I did like 71.5% on picks. So anything over... Anything over 67%, in my opinion, is is solid. Yeah, I went. Uh, I also went 5-2 on, on picks. So that moved me to 10-4 and four on the season. I believe you are also 10-4 and four so yeah. far. And we didn't have the same picks. We had we had a lot of the same picks. Uh, three, two different fights, we picked opposite people, and that resulted in a loss for each. And... Right. And, uh, and then for my bets on the week, I went 3-0. and oh, uh, So that moved me to 4-2 and two on the season. So it was a nice week for me. Uh, I'd like to say this is going to be a usual thing, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm just happy. I'm happy with this with this week, though. Yeah, fair enough. Look, one of the things I'd like to point out, uh, if we're talking bets and picks, I've been doing a little bit of tracking. Uh, over the past two weeks total, when you add up the prelim and the main card, the favorite has won 50% of the time, and the underdog has won 50% of the time. Now, th- I'm not you know, painting any pictures here other than that. Just All, something to look out for. Right. 50% underdog, 50% favorite, and a lot of the times there's you know, a couple fights on there that are plus 250 or more. You know, So if one of those wins, that can make your whole night. Um, moving on for a, a little bit of other you know. Pick news. We have nine fights we've already picked for today. And three bets each. Or for this weekend, I should say. And three bets each. Um, Next episode, once we recap UFC 290, um, unless you see it on socials beforehand, we're going to be giving you all the updates on the, you know, next next leaderboard, how the picks went, how much we lost. All right, so let's move on to our now reoccurring segment, Top Fives. So this is where we rank our top five, uh, either MMA-related or sometimes we go uh, non-MMA-related, more uh, just general. Today's one of those days, kind of a general top five day. Um, Today, we're going to each give our top five favorite fast food chains. Not to be confused with fast casual. Exactly. So no, like, Five Guys, Chipotle, Moe's, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that that's probably and no 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 like long standing pizza chains you know no Pizza Hut Domino's. I will say I'll cons- I'll give you uh if you really want you can have Little Caesars in this. That's fine. I just I don't know how they're gonna break somebody's top five. <laughs> that's what I said. If you really want it, I'll give it to you. Fair enough. All right, so you want to go one by one? Just you know, let's start at the bottom, five to one. Yeah, I think we should go five to one. How about give me your uh your number five? All right. So my number five. And this is actually a regional, which we don't think about a lot of the time. Um, but I would compare it, I guess, the closest to an In-N-Out would be the closest. Uh, Whataburger is my Ooh. number five. I have Whataburger on my list, not at five, but I love Whataburger. So the reason I put it at number five is um, partially because it's regional. You know, if I ever go out of town, there's a chance I may not get it or may not be able to find it. So... For me, you know, my favorite fast food kind of has to be everywhere. 
Um, but I will say one thing about Whataburger, their spicy ketchup or their spicy versions of normal condiments are 10 to 1. If we would have a top five condiment list, spicy ketchup spicy might ketchup. be number one for me. Spicy ketchup from Whataburger is my favorite ketchup of all time. And you can actually buy that in the stores. Whataburger is great. It, it's one of those places, it, uh, it's fast food, but it doesn't, the quality of ingredients and everything doesn't seem low doesn't seem low like it seems like they actually chop their vegetables and everything and that kind of stuff one one I, thing about, i'm a big fan of whataburger one thing about whataburger that i will say kind of at least for me you know of course this is all opinion based but at least for me one of the things with whataburger that i will say is a uh, a diminishing value is Way to give a diminishing value for a top five but go on right I guess what brings it down to the top, the the five mark, not a four or a three, is that I never ate it as a kid. So it doesn't instill any of those memories or any of those, you know what I'm saying? Like any any of those feelings. No, I get that because my number five, I get those feelings. My number five is Zaxby's. This is another regional one. I had these, I grew up in uh, the Atlanta area. We had them all the time. We went here all the time as a family. Great chicken. It was great quality, great service. It seems like all the, a lot of, not all of them, because there's definitely one chicken place that doesn't have great service, but a lot of the chicken places really make their mark on the service. The chicken's very good, and they do great service. Zaxby's is one of those places. Tons of variety, tons of sauces. I mean, it's just great. We didn't have Zaxby's for long here, but when we did, it it was... It was severely underrated. I mean, obviously, if it's not here anymore, I'm, I'm going to say it's underrated. But it was good. It was it was almost like a mixture of, of Cane's and Popeye's to the degree where where they had sauce, but it wasn't just limited to chicken tenders, fries, and, and toast. It's one of those places where anytime, because we don't have them in Louisiana, a lot of them in Louisiana, anytime I go out of state and I see them, I always make sure to go to Zaxby's. Yeah, see, that that's one of those... That, that, that I also didn't have as a kid, but having it when I did, it still gives me like, oh, those fond memories. So what's your number four? So my number four is probably the late night, had a couple drinks, fan favorite, Taco Bell. Now, while it can do, one. while it can give you some problems in the bathroom, that's probably why, why it makes it to the number four slot for me. But... It's one of those things where I remember, you know, very fond memories throughout my whole life going there with family, with friends, just little occasions, nothing serious, but you have you have memories. And also, even with the stomach problems it causes, I'm always willing to go back. I like Taco Bell. I'm not a huge fan, not as big as, as you are, but I will give you, I have some of my best memories from high school with friends with girlfriends, past girlfriends, with past past friends, past acquaintances. You always have those memories of going to Taco Bell with them. Yeah, it's weird. So I'll give you that. It's weird. Can you imagine on a, on a high school budget, you're going in there and you're getting, you know, as, as, a, as a male, you know, in, in high school, you're going there with, with $8 and you can get four or five tacos? Yeah, I'm full. Like, I'm stuffing myself with $8. Yeah, and as much sauce as you want. And then you, after that, you go and hang out with all your buddies. You're, you're having a good day. I don't have it on my list, but that is a good pick. I really like Taco Bell. My number four, I'm going with your number five. I got Whataburger. 
for everything you said about it, um, great ingredients, good burgers, Whataburger, phenomenal, phenomenal condiments. That spicy ketchup. I, I'll go back to the spicy ketchup. The best condiment. I actually do have a question food. for you, uh, considering Whataburger. You're from the Georgia area originally. Do y'all have Whataburger over there? They had from a, your recollection. Uh, few and far, be, few and far between. They had okay. a couple of them, but it, there weren't a lot. There wasn't a big thing. Y'all had more. What What was your like go-to burger back there? Uh, I mean the typical McDonald's and everything. Uh, Shake Shack. We Shake, had Shake Shack. Shacks. Okay. Okay. That's that's the other. That's the third regional. Shake Shack were very good. Okay, fair enough. Who's your number three? All right. So I think you kind of maybe alluded to it before when you said not great service uh, from a chicken restaurant. I may have. This place, in all honesty, probably has the worst service. Well, second to worst service, only to what I'd assume would be checkers. Um, Popeyes is third on my list. So listen, Popeyes is third on my list. Fried chicken to me is is one of the, you know, it's it's one of my childhood favorites. I mean, it's I, a top tier food. It it really is. There's there's I couldn't imagine a person on the planet, PETA included, that wouldn't enjoy a good fried piece of chicken. I mean, it's one of the it's the universal thing for even if you're a picky eater, you can eat fried chicken. Right. You, you I have an eight year old, can't get him to eat. Half of anything, guess what he'll eat? A thousand chicken nuggets, fried. As long as you're frying it, they'll eat it. Listen, Popeye's for me kind of goes above and beyond. Even a bad meal from Popeye's is a good meal. Their sides, mashed potatoes and gravy, dirty rice, the seasoned fries, they're second to none. You couple that with, even though the service is poor, quality fried chicken juicy regardless of spicy or mild you're you're getting a top tier product i i i love popeyes i just can't have it on my top five strictly because of the service i it's great food everything you said is true i've just had i've had bad experiences there so i think that takes away from the quality of a restaurant yeah that's fair i i don't even want to give them the credit for it to me, the flavor and everything they else... They do have great flavor. Is, it, it just pushes it to that level that I can't not include it. So my number three, I think this is the best... If you're just talking about generic fast food that's everywhere, this is the best burger. 100% it's Wendy's. Quality burger, quality fries. They have Frosties, uh they have the square patties. Nobody else has that. Fresh, never frozen. It's not expensive. I love Wendy's. And I know it's a controversial topic. Dipping your french fries in a Frosty is elite. Elite. Okay, so I'm going to go in reverse order from what you just said. Dipping your fries in your Frosty, yes, elite. Wendy's square patties, nobody else has them. Check mark. Going to the cheapness, I believe they're recession-proof with the 4 for 4. 4 for 4, and then you can upgrade to the $5 biggie bag, which is just a little bit better burger. Totally worth it. Okay, so you, you add all that. I understand why it could be in your top five. I don't agree with its status as level of burger. 
There's not a better fast food burger. Whataburger. So, the reason I'm saying Whataburger... But Whataburger isn't everywhere. That's, so, that's why it hits the number five on my list. So, the more consistent option, we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Maybe on both lists. I know it's on mine. Um, but for me, Wendy's doesn't hit the top five. Honestly, I don't like the way the setup is. I don't like a mayo first menu. And see, now you're just taking personal, well, no, see that, personal that's, biases against. But see, that's where it comes into a top five. So for me, the only reason I don't go to Wendy's, I'm not saying the the taste is bad or anything, but I typically just re- prefer not to trust the fast food employee to not put a standard ingredient. So I just steer clear based on my own opinions. Now their taste of burgers fine. I have no issues there. I just don't go due to my my weirdness. Moving on. What's your number two? My number two could be just a South Louisiana comfort because it's closed on Sundays and we're a very holy area. But it's not. It's it's everywhere because of how good it is. It's closed every Sunday because it has the right to do so. Chick-fil-A can do whatever it pleases. It started the chicken sandwich debate 30 or 40 years before the chicken sandwich debate was started. They invented the chicken sandwich. Right. You have Burger King and Popeyes and everyone under the sun, McDonald's, all of them trying to, to put their own name on the chicken sandwich. When the one holy grail of them all, the number one chicken place on the planet for sandwiches... Is Chick-fil-A, in my opinion. I 100% agree. I actually have Chick-fil-A as my number one. Spoiler alert. Okay. But I love Chick-fil-A. The service is great. The food is great. The original chicken sandwich, they invented it. Uh, The sauces are great. Now. Waffle fries, great. While I'll agree that everything there is great, the reason they hit second on my list, not first, is for the the one heinous crime I'll say they commit. The what what is the day the most often day you would want Chick Fil A at the current moment? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Huh. I tend to want it on Sundays. Well, that's just because it's closed on Sundays. I right. respect the reason they're closed on Sundays and that they stick to their guns, knowing I, how much money they can make. I respect it definitely. But I only find myself craving it when I can't have it. And to me... I like it. I like how they tease you a little bit. To me, that gives you the second rung. So moving on, I know you already told us all your first favorite. My number two. Oh, what's your number two? I'm sorry. My number two is another chicken place. I have two chicken places in my top two. Oh, Jesus. I got Cane's. Okay, that's another regional. Canes, a regional one, but it's expand- blowing up. I don't think it's regional anymore. I think it's national now. It, it's it's in almost well, not almost every state. It's in more states than it's not. I guess we could say finally. It should be almost every state. Uh, great chicken. You know what you're getting every time. The sauce is elite. Great service. They're fast. They're clean. Canes. It's just a great pick. I love. I love raising canes. You know, I'll I'll agree. Uh, I worked at raising canes when I was sixteen. And I don't have a single horror story from, like, the cleanliness experience or, like, you know, like, 
how they could say with other fast food places where like things were just gross. No, everything was was very clean. Everything was, you know, we we were forced to like adhere to certain standards. So I, I get that. That's me working there is probably the only reason it didn't make my top five. Just eating That's understandable. it, just eating it so much when I was that age. I try not to go there anymore. It's it's See, too Kane's much. Is, I love Canes is my late night spot. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and they they are open late. I forget about that. Who's your number one? So my number one for me gives gives everything you look for in a fast food place. It gives you options, consistency. It you better not be about to say what I think you're about to say. I'm gonna say McDonald's. My number one is McDonald's. The reason is every childhood favorite. At least from when I was growing up, we remember the play places. And then eventually those play places upgraded to video game machines, which were fine. But one thing that never has changed with McDonald's is the consistency or the options. Yeah, they don't have snack wraps anymore. Now, of course, it's made with real beef, which well, is a plus. one burger. At least one of them. But... Every city in America you go to, you'll find the same tasting, consistent burger. The great fries, an Oreo McFlurry that you'll never get because the machine doesn't work. But at this point in my life, I respect that. McDonald's is my first choice because it instills everything it is to be American. It's lazy. It's efficient. It's not very clean. But we can't get enough of it. It's consumer friendly, and we just go after it. I think billions of burgers have been served in this place. So I agree with a lot of what you said, but you're not trashy for liking McDonald's because of everything you said. It's trashy. McDonald's as your number one fast food restaurant, yeah. I just can't believe that's like the baseline. Yeah. The the consistency. You're not you don't need quality. You need consistency to be the number one for me. You need to be able to go anywhere. Not in the country, but nearly anywhere in the world and get essentially the same thing. I'm just not on board. I like McDonald's every once in a while, but it is definitely not my number one. As I said before, my number one is Chick-fil-A. I think Chick-fil-A shits on McDonald's. Oh. It, it does in, in quality of ingredients, but I'll tell you one thing. I can't go anywhere, any day, almost any time and get Chick-fil-A. McDonald's like serves breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, snacks. There's options. That's like telling me your favorite kind of music is the pop radio music. In this one category, I think it is, yeah. I actually, I, you know, I, I, can't, I, I can't disagree with what you just said there. But it doesn't make it any less true. Well, there you have it. There's our top five fast food restaurants. Some interesting choices there. Some I am totally against, but... Everybody has their right to an opinion. So I'm trying this new thing out. I have some... I don't know, wh I don't know really what to call it. Non-fight fight updates. So it's like... Non-fight... Fighter updates. Fighter updates. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like some... MMA non-fight news. Yeah, so we got to figure out a cool name for that. But while I was trying to figure out a cool name, I found two kind of cool things, kind of interesting uh, fighter updates. So, 
Brian Ortega took to Twitter. Oof. Yeah, you know where this is going. Oof. So he started off saying, uh, it was of course related to a Paulo Costa Costa tweet with uh, him and Tracy Cortez from this past Friday. And it was just a selfie. It was harmless. Right. So Brian Ortega decided to tweet, and I quote, Everyone out here talking about I fumbled. Y'all must not know the rules of the game. When you drop the ball on accident, that's a fumble. But when you throw it away on purpose, that's called a complete pass. Top G shit. Okay, so let me break that down for you. When you drop the ball on accident, that's a fumble. Correct. But when you throw it away on purpose, that's called a complete pass. Incorrect. That's actually called a complete pass. Now, I will say that earlier in this episode, I was saying that I am a noted Brian Ortega hater. So let me lean into that a little bit. Not only did Brian Ortega fumble his ex-fiance, Tracy Cortez, he fumbled that tweet. He fumbled his last two fights, one of which was to Alex Volkanovsky, who he could have beat with that choke, but he didn't. Uh, he fumbled his loss by injury, I'll say, to Yair Rodriguez. And on top of all that, he's going to say top G shit. So now he's going to align close with Andrew Tate, who was just put in jail or house arrest with a, under the inception for rape. Is he swearing off women? I don't really know what's happening. What do you think? He made... The number one mistake you can make as a celebrity slash famous person, person, which is let the haters and the trolls know you're reading the comments. Because this tweet was totally a response from everybody else's, everybody else's reaction to Paula Costa's picture. Right. And look, if, if he wouldn't have said anything, this would have blown over. Because he addressed it and addressed it in a horrible douchebaggy way, right. he just dug his grave. So not, not only not do you great, know, he... not know the rules of the NFL, you don't understand when somebody's just trolling you. Paulo Costa went on Twitter and he said, now granted, he is his self-proclaimed meme god status, which he is funny, I'll say that. He went on Twitter just saying that he was joking. You know, that was his Friday I girl. don't even think he was trying to uh No, he was him. backing it away was, by saying was I, was, I was just joking. And the people that in the replies that were that were right. trolling him, and he responded to him, which is the number one anything he posts online now, any online presence he has, this is going to be brought up from here on out, which is unfortunate for him, funny for the rest of us. Yeah, with him with him aligning any any way with Andrew Tate though. How long until the Matrix comes for Ortega next? <laughs> you say that, but you don't know. I don't. He got some hiding on his computers, maybe. Right. So, that's one thing. The other story I found is Conor McGregor related. Oof. Okay. That's another oof. So, it always is. So, remember in June, Conor McGregor knocked out the Miami Heat mascot? Yes. Okay, so that guy, he was sent to the hospital. He wasn't concussed or anything. It said they gave him some, like, some... Relative painkillers, probably like ibuprofen. So he was just trying to make some money. It looks like it. But, so it turns out the whole 
kind of production with this knockout. We knew it was a stunt, but the whole production was actually because Miami Heat, the NBA team, they were going to uh, use his spray, his Icy Hot-like spray, Tidal, T-I-D-L. They were going to use them as the spray for the team, the healing spray for the team. The official right. healing spray of the Miami Heat. Right. So, with all that, by one single punch, McGregor nixed a multi-million dollar deal. He ruined, you know, another Florida relationship. What's another? What's the other Florida relationship? Pretty much all of them at this point. Everywhere he goes, he's he's slapping a phone out of somebody's hand. Was that in Florida? Yeah. It was in Miami, probably. It was in Miami. It was a club outside of Miami that they were just trying to take a photo of him, and he goes whack. Well, I mean, it's Florida. What do you what do you expect to happen? Now, I don't even want to bring up the other other allegations that happened the same night. That happened well, the same. We that was, skip over that part, right? That was in the same night. But it's just to say, title's not going to be a part of the NBA Heat. Tough break for Connor. We covered news. Let's move on to uh, another reoccurring segment, a newly reoccurring segment. Who would wins? This is where we match up uh, hypothetical fighters, animals, humans, different scenarios into matchups to see who would win. I think, Alex, you have a few uh, scenarios for us. Yeah, I, got, I only have a couple this week. I have some thoughts on how I want to do it moving forward. I just, I don't, every time I think about it, I can't quite grasp how I want to do. So I put a couple together this week. I'm going to start off, this one's related to the news, so this is not assuming that Ortega goes all the way up to Costa's weight class. Let's say Costa loses some weight too, that way they're both at a disadvantage. Uh, But let's say Ortega and Costa at the same weight, who would win? Who would win? Paulo Costa, Brian Ortega? Correct. That's a tough one. If they're the same weight, they both have different strengths. Ortega, obviously, with the chokes, T-City. And Costa, obviously, with his big muscles, knockouts. I, personally, I think I would have to go Paulo Costa. Okay. So, listen. Paulo Costa fights at 185 pounds normal. Brian Ortega fights at 145 pounds. So, let's say they made a one... 165. 165. You know, Ortega gains 20. Costa drops 20. That's hard for both. You know, you're going to lose a lot of sh- a lot of stamina with Ortega if he if he moves up to 165 for a fight. Well, if they're having to cut weight, that's a... Paulo Costa already struggles at cutting weight. Right. Maybe so it might I might be, have to change my answer. Might be easier to go with a little bit more... But I'm, I'm saying... You got to make it comfortable. He's the man trying to catch weight. You got to you got to go catch weight. I don't agree. Brian Ortega is the man trying to win his lady's honor back. He's going up all the way to 185 to fight Paulo Costa. Listen, Tracy Cortez said move with love. She ain't talking about weight, homie. TC apparently it doesn't matter. T T City can just get anybody at any time, according to him. That is the. the cards he shows us. Right. So, if you have... Let's have Costa lose 10 pounds. Go to 175. And let's have Ortega gain 30. 
Does that just make Ortega's wrestling even better? With a little bit of gas problems? I'm still taking Paula. 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 Costa and gets the, the knockout win. I like that. My second question. Who would win a lion versus a jaguar? A jaguar? A jaguar. Now listen. One of the reasons I was originally going with a lion versus a tiger, but one of the reasons I didn't go with that was the, the, the size disadvantage. While it kind of up front, outside looking I think in. this is a size disadvantage as well. It is. The thing with the jaguar, though, is they actually have the strongest biting power of any cat in the world. So while they're a little, not, not a little, they're considerably smaller... They're faster, and they are also the most dangerous. I still think a cat's a cat. I'm taking the big boy. I'm taking a lion. A lion. I think a male lion holds his shit. Now, is is that due mostly to the fact that the mane? Okay. The mane. Lion King. Lion Pri- King. Pride Rock. All that. The mane is the main thing, though. The circle of life. I get it. You know, everything the light touches is our kingdom, kind of thing. It's just that big flowy mane, man. Okay. That's a badass cat. So that pretty much concludes episode three of Split Decision. Uh, Check us out next week when we recap UFC 290, uh, the big card from uh, this upcoming weekend. And we also take a look at next week's card, UFC Vegas 77, home versus Gueno Silva. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Like and subscribe to this episode of Split Decision and check us out at splitdecision.blog where you'll find our most recent posts, videos, and all the links to our socials.